The reading this sermon is based off of is Psalm 25, roughly verses 1 through 7. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Teach me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or of my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Well, welcome everyone to church at 7 o'clock on New Year's Eve. This is the first time for me going to a New Year's service, so I'm very pleased to see all you. We are called by tradition on New Year's Eve to remember everything we've done this last year. And maybe even things that have bled over from years past to this year, to today. And reflect on how we can then change for the better. For some, this might mean remembering individual instances in the past. Things that really embarrassed us in front of people whose opinions we care about. Like recommending the movie Caddyshack in mixed company. Because all that you remembered from the movie was the cute groundhog that dances. For... Others, it might mean reflecting on patterns of behavior that we've had in this past year, maybe even further back from that, like eating too much, eating too fast, not exercising, being short-tempered with your employees, bringing work home. Or sometimes you're like me, and you're lying in bed, and before you can fall asleep, you just can't because... You remember that one time in kindergarten when you accidentally called out for Mrs. Trepanier and you said, Mom, in front of everybody in class, and they all laughed at you. It's in this reflective hour, this, our behavior, where the world, reflective behavior that the world just doesn't seem to get enough of these days that allows for us to look back at our lifetime thus far and admit maybe there is something wrong with us. The sins of our youth are, like I've said, embarrassing. And more than often, they keep us lying awake at night ashamed. I actually saw a young lady at Schnucks, and she was wearing this bright pink shirt, and it said, only God can judge me. And all I could admit to myself was, yeah, that's true, and I wonder what it's going to look like when it happens. Sometimes I, I find myself lying there in bed, and I'm singing these words to this song that is usually only sung on New Year's Eve, and I just learned the words to when we were going to sing them tonight, this new revamped version, the Lutheran version, I'm singing in my head, what if all my sins 
could be forgot and never brought to mind. If all my guilt and shame could be replaced by love, sublime. Well, as we reflect on our year so far, I think it's important to remember that God does allow for us to walk our own paths. In the beginning, when we're young, we think that this feels good, that this is freedom, getting to walk our own path. But when I was reminded of and I think about the testimony of my hairdresser, I begin to feel that the freedom that we think we experience during this time actually turns out to be slavery, to shame. I remember when I was going to SLU, to St. Louis University, it was my undergraduate, I was studying, and I needed a haircut. And to get a haircut in those days, I would walk down Lindell to Great Clips, and the Great Clips on Lindell was not in the best part of town, but you couldn't say no to a $7 haircut if you showed them your student ID. And so, I was introduced to this woman that would be styling my hair, and her name was Kayla. So I was sitting there and I was getting my hair cut, and I started to listen to the conversations that she was having with her coworkers, and it didn't sound too good. And sometimes in life, I've talked with lots of people about this feeling that you get, but you get you get a feeling, and you. I don't know, maybe it's from God. I, you, you probably should say something. You feel like you're called to say something to someone that seems like they're in need, like they're in trouble. And I could tell that the hairdresser, Kayla, she was venting to her work associates, but they weren't getting, giving her good advice back. And so when there was silence, I said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I started to chat with her. And she asked, you know what? Uh, I forgot to ask you, why are you dressed so nice? And that was an easy answer. I was going to church because the church I was a member at at the time at SLU had evening services. So I wasn't going in the morning. And so this jovial conversation that we started to have, what it did was lead to her heart opening up because she felt comfortable with a spiritual conversation because she felt safe talking to me. She said, you know what? I don't usually, I don't really feel comfortable in church. And so I let her reflect on that a little bit. And I said, why? And so she started to tell me about when she was a young woman. She would tell me about dressing up really nice Fancy on a Saturday night, she put on all this makeup. She would go to clubs and she'd come home at dawn the next morning. And when she got home so late, her grandma would see her come in the door and she'd say, Perfect, don't go to bed. You're already dressed for church. Let's go. And so she would climb into grandma's minivan in her cocktail dress, her messed up makeup. She'd come into church. And she came into church walking, as a walking, bumbling record of her sins from the night before. 
And she told me she felt ashamed about it. it. Though, because her grandmother brought her there, though she felt ashamed, she was sitting there and her grandma just wanted her to be simply in the presence of God. To let his life-changing law, his soothing mercy, just flow over her, his word. This is what God's commands, this is what they do to us. They show us in our life what we're doing wrong, how we're not walking in the way of the Lord. It shows us where we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we hear in the psalm today, Psalm 25, that when we finally get to that point of being shown our downfalls and our mistakes... We begin to actually desire to walk in the way of the Lord, in the way that Yahweh puts forth. We hear that if we want to walk in this way, then we have to follow this leader that they're describing. We need to be taught by the Lord's commands, by hearing his word, and following this leader's example in humility and faithfulness and steadfast love. In this way, we're not put to shame because we're no longer living our lives. We're living a new life. A desperate plea is made in the psalm today. It says, it reads, Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. Please, instead, according to your steadfast love, remember me. Oh, for the sake of your goodness, O Lord, do this, please. And so we're given his son, Jesus Christ, the leader, right? We walked in the way of the Lord. Who walked in the way of the Lord in perfection? He lived in perfect humility, only glorifying the Father who sent him, refusing to make a kingdom of this world. He taught us steadfast love, that when we remember those past sins of others, each time, instead, we forgive and we forget anew. He said, I won't let our past determine our future together. This is the key to understanding forgiving 70 times 7. He showed faithfulness to his, fa- faithfulness to his father and to his mission. His redemption being the, rede- the re- sorry, his mission being the redemption of the sin of all mankind by being faithful to the point of death on the cross. With that perfect sacrifice, then being accepted in his resurrection. And so that song we learned tonight, it goes, if all my sins could be for God and never brought to mind, then I would not have a need for Christ. My heart would have no fear. And Calvary would ne'er have been a place so close and near. God sent his one and only son to save us from our sin. It doesn't get any simpler than that. He did what we asked him to do in the prayer in Psalm 25. You see, God is creator and Lord of all things. He created you, he created me. So the onus is on him to keep a record of our sins, of your sins. The onus is on him to hold those sins against us. But we know now... As Pastor Golden says, this side of the cross, 
That today, because of our baptisms and that faith from our baptism in his son, he chooses to remember his mercy instead of the sins of our youth. We hear today that God chooses to remember his steadfast love instead of the sins of your youth. He remembers his faithfulness to his promise, his perfect son, that leader described in Psalm 25, instead of our sin. And he does these things, it says in the psalm prayer, because he is good. Your sins are forgiven because of the work that was done in God's Son, Jesus Christ. They are now forgiven and forgotten. God looked down and said in the words of my systematics professor, Joe Locomoto, God said, I will not allow your past to determine our future. You are God's creature. He created you. And it's written that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's made a new creature. The old has gone. The new has come. Christ says, look, I'm making everything new. You are new. Oh, Jesus, calm my troubled heart. Quiet all my fear. Oh, Jesus, lead my faithful walk into the coming year. Amen. Amen. Please rise for the Magnificat.